Amen. That's a pretty good place to be led to, and that's Calvary. And Calvary covers it all. And I thank God for the mercy and grace and everlasting life and salvation that you find at Calvary. And if you'd like to find your place in Proverbs chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 2, and the title of the message is, My Son, Don't Fall For It. And, uh, I've been warned many times in my life, you know, watch out for that person or don't you fall for that. And uh, my grandfather used to tell me, don't, don't take no wooden nickels. And, uh, and I tell you, we, we need to be careful in this life. And that's why God's given us his word. It'll warn us. It'll caution us. It'll give us some direction to go by to make sure that we don't fall for the wrong person or, or for the wrong ways. And we definitely want to be pleasing to our Lord. And we need to walk worthy of Him and all pleasing, the Bible says. And I'm glad that He's given us His Word. He doesn't leave that up to us to figure it out. He, he tells us how to do that in His precious Word. Let's start reading in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous, he is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, and every good path. When wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, Discretion shall preserve thee, and understanding shall keep thee. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things, who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil, and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, and they forward in their paths." to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the God of her youth, and forgetteth the covenant of her God, for her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life, that thou mayest walk in the way of good men, and keep the paths of the righteous." For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. Uh, this father is taking the time to tell his son to not fall for certain people and for certain ways of life. Uh, he, he's telling him that my son, God's got a plan for your life uh, and that plan does not lead him in the ways of darkness. Well, I'd like for us to zero in here on verses 12 through 15. 
Verse 12, it says, To deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things, who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they forward in their paths. What a description of the world that we're living in. Over in Ephesians, it's called the course of this world, the trend, if you would, of this world. And in verse 12, this word forward, I don't know if you know what that word means, but it means perverse. It means unyielding, ungovernable. In verse 14, you see that word forwardness is used to describe the delight of that evil man, that forward man. This is his what he delights in. He delights in perverseness and a, a, a total reluctance to yield or to comply and, and, and just disobedience is what he delights in. Why is this father having to warn his son to not fall in with this crowd. Why is that? Because if you look in verse 13, it says, who leave the paths of uprightness. They, they leave that path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. You see, our sinful nature gravitates uh, towards uh, the ways of darkness. That's our sinful nature. Being ungovernable, being unyielding, being disobedient and perverse was who we were before being saved. Prior to being saved, we all delighted in the paths of forwardness. We, we were all children of disobedience. But thank God for salvation. Thank God for a new life. Thank God for a new direction. Thank God that He makes us a new creature. But even now, even after salvation, that new creature wars with the old creature. In this life, there will always be a pull to leave the paths of uprightness. The hymn writer Robert Robinson said it best. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy grace now like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. God changed Robert Robinson's life after he had heard a message from George Whitfield on the wrath to come. And that took place in 1752. And in 1758, Mr. Robertson wrote the hymn, Come Thou Fount of every blessing. Oh, he describes here in the verse that I just read here, he describes the great price that Jesus gave for him. He said he interposed his precious blood. Yet, yet, he was still prone to wonder. And Mr. Robinson did wind up wondering. 
But thank God he came back. What this father is warning his son about was as real then as it was in 1758 as it is now. Can I just remind you that it does not take much to get our minds to wonder. An ungoverned thought, an unfiltered thought, an unfiltered look, a song. For some maybe a smell, for some maybe a taste or a certain environment or or, or just a fleshly longing or, or a wrong desire. And you see, our wandering never really starts in the physical realm. It starts in the mental realm. We allow ourselves to wander. We, that's why we better ponder the, the way of our feet, the path that we're on. We better take a close look at where we're heading and where that path will lead us. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4, just one page over. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. It says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Why? For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. There's just some things that you're going to have to stay away from because they may trigger you into going and leaving that path of uprightness and going into the ways of darkness. Let thine eyes just look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. There's no age limit on wandering away from the Lord. It's just as easy to wander away from the Lord at 70 as it is at 7 or 17 or 27 or 37 or 47 years old. The spiritual warfare is on. And it'll be on until the Lord calls us home. There's never a time when we can afford to let our guard down. Matter of fact, you better be careful of the comfortable times. Because it's in those times that we're the most vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. Ask King David about that. When he should have been at war, but yet he chose to hang back. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Here we find Moses giving his final words to Israel. He's given them one last charge. He's been with these folks for a long time. He's noticed their behavior and he's noticed their tendency to wonder, if you would. And, and he's going to give them one last charge, one last challenge, if you would, to follow the Word of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, let's start reading in verse 1. 
He said, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath bought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he'll show thee. Thy elders and they'll tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste, howling wilderness. Uh, he, he led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. Butter of kine and, and milk of sheep with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat. And thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begot thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them, because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. Skip on down to verse 28. For they are a nation void of counsel, neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How many Christians have made decisions that took them further away from God because they were only thinking of the now. They let themselves be guided by their own will and by their own pride and by their own lust. Uh, they knew the truth just like Israel. They knew the truth. They knew the will of God. They knew what the right path was. But they did not consider the end 
and what God would say would happen to them if they left the paths of uprightness. In our passage here in Deuteronomy 32, Moses spent the last hours on this earth warning the people of Israel that you need to follow the law of God, that you need to stay in the will of God. Here he says in verse 29, Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. At any age, uh, it is very wise and necessary to consider and reflect on many things concerning our present circumstances. But God tells us that if we're wise, then we're not going to just make a decision based on the sake of now. But we will consider what will happen in the end. Or where is this decision going to lead me? Will this decision that I'm about to make lead me closer to God or further from God? Will this decision keep me in the will of God or will it lead me outside of the will of God? What's guiding my thoughts? Is it the Word of God or is it my own desires? For the young people that are listening by the way of Internet and those within the auditorium, you think about the choice that they're going to have to make when they reach around 18 of a career and of a college and university to go to, the choice of a person with whom they're going to spend the rest of their life. There's many things to consider. It's very important to consider the path that you'll take and where you're going to wind up. You see, life consists of making choices. And the results of these choices will determine the path that you're going to take. God tells us in this passage that we just read that if you're wise, then you're going to understand and you're going to consider what will happen in the end. And the best time to do that, the best time to consider these things is before making a decision that's going to determine the course of your life. We've all had a start. We all know our date of birth, if you would. But the one thing that you don't know is the day of your end. Moses and his father in Proverbs are cautioning people to consider the end. James told those Christians that had been displaced and scattered because of their faith in Christ. He told them, he said, look, consider how the Lord worked in the life of Job. He said, consider the end of the Lord and how that he was merciful and, and, and that he pitied Job and how he took care of Job and that God would take care of them as well. Thank God there is an end. But in that end, what we've done with this life, what we've done with the life that God has given us was going to be weighed in the balance. As a Christian, as a safe person, you will be judged for your works. You will be judged for what you did for the Lord and what you didn't do for the Lord. You're going to be judged for your involvement in the Lord's work. You're going to be judged for how you invested your time and talents and treasures for the Lord. You better be careful living for the temporary. You'd better consider the end. You're not just living for this world. We're living for eternity in heaven. 
Oh, at the Bema seat, at the judgment seat of Christ, all those that are saved are going to receive reward or a loss of reward for what they did with their life since the day they were saved. I think about that thief on the cross who trusted in Jesus. Right there, he received a clean slate. What he did with the time that he had left on this earth, which wasn't long. What he chose to do with that time that he had from the moment that he put his faith in Jesus Christ and he gave him the assurance of everlasting life with him. He didn't just kick back and say, well, I'm just waiting for my death. No, he, he immediately went to work. He immediately started witnessing here and to his buddy, the one that hung on the other side of Jesus' cross. He made the most of the time and of the energy that he had left. Can I ask you, what have you done with your time, with your talents and your treasures since the day that you've been saved? If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you must consider the end. If you die without Christ, then in hell you will lift up your eyes being in torment. If you're wise, then the Bible says that you're going to consider your latter end. It's either heaven or hell. It's the only choice you have. If you're not saved and you don't care about the things of God and you don't care about eternity and you think that you've got all your life that you can just live it up and you'll worry about that later. If you don't care where you go, then you're heading to hell. And if you want to go to hell, then all you have to do is just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep thinking the way you're thinking. Just keep acting the way you're acting. Just keep believing the way you're believing. But let me warn you. The Bible says that you're condemned already. Jesus on the cross, he took your condemnation, but it's up to you whether or not you're going to accept him and what he did as enough to save you. John chapter 3 and verse 36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. God loves you. He gave His Son to die for you. You can have everlasting life right now or you can refuse His precious gift. You better consider your end because it's coming sooner than later. You're not promised another day. You're not even promised another breath. But you are promised that you'll either spend an eternity in heaven or hell. The choice is yours. Bible says in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This father in Proverbs, he's cautioning his son to ponder the path of his feet. Moses told Israel that if they were wise then they had better consider their latter end. And Jesus is calling for you to believe in His death, His burial, and His resurrection for the justification of your soul. Be careful living for just the now only. Boy, as a Christian, 
We need to live every second of our life as if we were going to the Bema seat the next second. That you were going to meet Jesus right then. Can I ask you, what would you have to present to Him? How's your church attendance? Would you be able to say, I was faithful? I was there every time the doors were open. I participated. I sang the hymns. I got involved everywhere I could. Will you be able to tell him, say, I loved you so much and I want to spend so much time with you that I, every day I, I went in your word and I meditated. Oh, I prayed and I talked to you. I witnessed. I gave so that others could hear about Christ. How much of your time, talents, and treasures would you be able to present to him that were laid on the altar of sacrifice? How much of your time? What have you done with the life that God's given you? If you're not saved, please get saved today.